Ovechkin storming in. Alexander Ovechkin curl and drag to the back end. He scores! Simply sensational! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pizzas Here podcast, your home for all news and content surrounding the Washington Capitals of the NHL. Today we're joined by yet another special guest. He was the host of the pre- and post-game live shows for the Washington Capitals on NBC from 2011 to mid-2020, Rob Carlin. How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're glad that you're here today. Yeah, today glad we could make this happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So today we also have we actually have all four of us here today. I feel like it's been forever since since that has happened. But I'm joined by Jake, Joey and Will. And of course, our guest, Rob Carlin. So, Rob, my first question for you is you were a huge part of Washington Capitals fans game day experience for so long. And um, what was that experience like and what were the most enjoyable parts of doing what you did? That was the most enjoyable part was being a part of the fans nightly experience. Like, you know, I grew up like you guys, just huge fans of my teams. Right. So the night starts with the pregame show, the game, the postgame show, it gets all part of, of the, you know, experiencing your team. And to an extent, the people on the broadcast are as much a part of that experience as the players themselves. So, you know, I'd walk around, you know, I was lucky enough that we did a couple of seasons of the shows live in the arena and I'd walk around and I can't tell you how many people would stop, you know, me and Alan or just me if I was walking by myself and, you know, tell us that, you know, oh my God, I remember watching the Stanley Cup run and you guys, the excitement that you guys had made it so much more enjoyable for us. And, you know, we look forward to it every night. Like, and, and it, again, because I know how important it is to me as a fan, it meant that much more hearing it because, um, you know, it, that is that was everything to me. It, it's being a part of something, you know, like it's like what players always say. It's like something that's bigger than you. And being a part of that was such a neat experience, by far the coolest experience of my career. And I had a 25 year run in TV and um, those years as the Caps, you know, on the Caps broadcasts were definitely the most satisfying and the most fun. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Jake, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I don't think your mic uh, uh, is working right now. <laughs> you're muted on Jitsi. Yeah, you're muted we on can't Jitsi. hear you. Though. We can't hear you. Still can't hear nope. you. Now I see his mouth moving. I, I thought he was muted himself, so I didn't say anything until this point. I probably should have said something. We can't hear you. Just unplug the mic. Okay, okay. I'll go with my question, and then when he gets back, you can go with this. Um, so I actually have I have I have two I have two things, but I'll start with the question. Um, obviously the 2018 Cup run that was like one of the greatest experiences in this town's history. That was like crazy. What was that like from your perspective? You know, you got to be right next to the team and all that stuff. Like you were in the building in Vegas. I'm pretty sure. Right? Like when oh, I was in the building. Yeah, I mean, we were we were there for like the whole ride. It started in Pittsburgh the night they eliminated the Penguins. And right through Tampa and right through Vegas. I mean, that was so much fun. And like the, the moments when you start to realize like beating Pittsburgh, beating Pittsburgh was one thing. And then 
like to lose to Tampa and be on the brink against Tampa and being like, oh my God, is this really going to happen? Like, are they going to finally beat Pittsburgh and now lose in the Eastern Conference Finals to Tampa? And that, uh, that, those two back to back games in game six and seven against Tampa that year, you know, it, it's probably a lot of people say when they eliminated Pittsburgh, they knew they were going to win. It was the way they played against Tampa in game six and seven. And I was like, well, there's just no team on the planet right now that's going to beat the Caps. And even when they lost in in game one against um, Vegas, I was just like, like, I was like, Vegas can't match up. Like, the, the Caps are going to steamroll this team. And once they, you know, once they turned it on, it was, it was so much fun to watch because, you know, we all as fans, but certainly on the broadcast, we all experienced these repeated kicks to the groin year after year of, you know, really good teams that just couldn't beat Pittsburgh. And um, because I, I do believe that there was one or two years in there that had they got past Pittsburgh, they would have won the cup. Like they Definitely. were the second best team. And, um, and because that happens in the second round, it looks like a complete failure to the season. So to see Ovi and Backstrom and the core of that Carlson and Holtby and the core of that team, like sort of never getting their due because they would just lose as one freaking team every year. Like to see them finally get that moment where no one could ever take it away from them. No one can ever doubt them. No one can ever say anything bad about them anymore because they won a cup. Had they won two or three, now you're immortal. But just winning one, you know, no one can ever question it anymore. So, um, and then like, you know, the days after and the parade was so much fun. Like I've never walked around a city that was collectively partying together. Like, and that was crazy. Said, it was crazy. Like I always said, if there was a city on a short list of cities that could burn itself down in a situation like that, DC would be right at the top of that list because so much misery in sports for so long. But that was just like the most pure fun, you know, walking down the street after the parade. Um, we just had the best day and everywhere you went, people were just high fiving each other. And it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was something I will never forget because, um, you know, you, you play it out in your head of like, what would it be like? And it was 10 times better what I was hoping it would be like. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jake, you there? Uh, I don't know. Is it working? Yes, yeah, there we go. All right, there we go. All right. I don't know what it's going to be like when the Maple Leafs end their drought. That entire country is going to burn down. There's no right. doubt in our minds. I, I don't I, even know that that'll ever happen. So, it does, I, you know. Yeah, fair, but still. It's like. That's why they know. It's like once it happens, it's like nothing's stopping them. There's there's no <laughs> ending. We thought Ovi jumping in fountains was fun. These dudes are gonna be jumping into lakes. Like it's gonna right. be crazy. Right. All right, yep. Jake. Hit him with All that right. Question. So sorry. Sorry about the mic issue. But uh, what are some of your favorite player interactions that you've experienced throughout uh, your career so far? Oh man, there's a number of them. You know the the funny thing is, especially for hockey players, like they're just the coolest guys. Um, and maybe it's because it's a lot of guys from different countries from Canada. I realize Canada's a different country, but like, it, you know, that, that weren't sort of like on the cover of sports illustrated or something at 13 and 14 years old. Um, but they're just the coolest guys. So there is, I mean, there was any number of cool interactions. I mean, sitting with Ovi and, and Backstrom and interviewing the two of them together and kind of watching how they play off each other. And, and this was after the cup. So, like, when it was 
all that, you know, it was all the relief was there. Like you could just sense that their relationship had gone to another level. And, you know, talking about some of the, you know, the things that they went through to get there was, uh, was pretty amazing. But, but on the flip side, um, you know, there are like funny, terrible moments that happened too, because when I first started my career, I was a, um, I was a sports producer at Fox 45 in Baltimore. And this was back in the late 90s when the Orioles had great team, mid, mid 90s, and um, when the Orioles were great. And, uh, <laughs> and they had gone wire to wire to win. I think they won 100 plus games that year. They were an amazing team and they beat Seattle in the first round of the playoffs. And they do the champagne celebration for every round that you win in baseball. And it was just like one of those things where I was like, man, they won like 100 some odd games. Seattle was a wild card team. Like, what are they popping? you know, corks for it. So I, the next day in the locker room, like it was a practice day and I asked Eric Davis, you know, didn't it feel like a little premature to be popping champagne after, you know, one round and he looks dead into my eyes and I knew like, oh boy, I've, I've asked a bad question here. And he's just like, what do you think? I'm like, no one cares what I think. And he goes, I do. I want to know what you think. And I was like, oh, so I'm like, literally my hands are shaking, my palms are sweating. And now like all the media is just like staring at me. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is the worst moment. And and I was like, well, I, I guess I think it's premature for a team that won a hundred and some odd games to, you know, shouldn't there be the, there should be one champagne celebration. And he goes, you ever face Randy Johnson? No, no, I've never faced Randy Johnson. You ever faced him twice in a five-game series and beat him? No. He goes, no, you don't know, do you? And it was just like this heavy moment, right? Like, just sitting there. And sport, uh, Bruce Cunningham is this long-time sports guy who actually just retired. He hits me in the back of the head, and he goes, way to piss him off, Rob. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't help at all. Like, that's not what I needed in that moment. So, like, you just have, like, these funny things that happen over time because, like, most of it's great interaction, but sometimes you just get this, you know, you, you get a moment with a guy where, you, and usually the, the coolest moments, I got to be honest, like the coolest moments are not even like the on-camera stuff. Like I remember when Robert Griffin was with the Redskins and he was, all the stuff around him was horrible. Like dealing with the RG3 phenomenon was horrible because there was so much there and every day was another news story. But the guy was super cool, and he loved talking about college football. Yeah, he could stand by his locker and just talk about college football. So, like, that was awesome to me. I'm like, ah, now I'm just hanging out with our Robert Griffin and talking college football. Like, stuff like that was awesome. That's a Ravens legend right there. Also, I'm a huge Orioles fan, and hearing all that, I remember seeing that 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 uh, that video of that uh, event one day, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It all came back to me. Like that dude was so upset. I was like, "That, that kind of went too far." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hockey players are nicer than baseball players. Oh, for sure, for sure. It it is baseball players. In my experience, have been the worst, and maybe it's because they play every day. So, like, the media is there every single day. There's just, like, no day off. So I can see where that would get old. But my experience has been that baseball players are the toughest. Now, I'm not in – you know, I was never in baseball. People who are in baseball day-to-day will probably tell you something different. But I don't think they care too much for, like, the pop-in guy. You know what I mean? Like, the guy who comes at game one of a big series and then you don't see him again for a month. And that was usually me with baseball. 
So my experience wasn't always great. Um, but, uh, but hockey guys are usually really, really cool. Like down the earth guys. Like, and the caps, the caps dressing room was fantastic. Like there, there wasn't a bad guy. Although it's funny though. So my career in hockey started, I was the pre and post game host for the Islanders for MSG network before I started with the caps and the Islanders, this is before, this is like John Tavares's first two years and um, the Islanders were terrible. And I remember talking to um, one of the assistant coaches one day, they had just called up a kid. I don't remember who it was. And uh, am I allowed to curse on this? What's, yeah. what's the, you can yeah. say whatever the fuck you want. Okay, perfect. So he goes, <laughs> so whatever kid came up, I'm standing and talking to him. And uh, I was like, oh, that kid's good kid. He goes, yeah, he's a good kid. I was like, yeah, in fact, everyone in the room is, you know, really good, good guys. He's like, yep, they're all good guys. I was like, yeah, kind of guys you'd want to let like your daughter date. He's like, yep, real sweet. I was like, I looked at him and I kind of smiled. I was like, probably need a couple of motherfuckers in there. He's like, yep, need a couple of motherfuckers in the room. Like, can't just be nice guys. Like, we need guys who are like bad dudes. Like, you need a couple of those in the room to make you feel better. So, like. You know, every now and again, to bring in a guy that you go, something's off about that dude. Like those guys, those guys are usually all, Alan May was one of those dudes. And I worked with him for years, super guy, but something's a little off. So you, you need guys like that in a room. Well, sorry, I forgot to unmute. Um, so. Uh, so Alex Oveshkin got 45 today. He uh, he had a nice <laughs> nice empty net, which is, you know, for for how many amazing goals he scored, I feel like he's earned the right to tap those in. Uh, so how Amen. many? You skipped your first question, Will. Wait, am I reading the wrong one? Oh yeah, my goodness, I, I was like I was reading off memory. I just forgot about the. Over Can we just split the order? Is that okay? Or I guess yeah, not really related. Sure. Sorry, we'll go back to that. Uh, we've okay. seen that you have your own podcasting experience, uh, and we were wondering uh, what have you done with that, and like, what would your advice be maybe to some some smaller, younger podcasts? So I did my podcast for a while after you know I you know after I was let go at the TV station. I wanted to still be part of the Caps community, and I felt like that was my opportunity to kind of stay in the game and see where the future would take me. And I enjoyed it, and I, I really think the the two bits of advice I would probably give, and this is to podcasters or someone trying to get into the business, is one, be super prepared. Like, there's no such thing as over-preparing. Like, have, have a, even if you don't get to something, there'll never be that moment where you're going, oh, my God, what am I going to ask next? Like, just know, know about your, your subject. Um, and it doesn't even have to be like, you don't have to know like where I grew up to, you know, to know about the subject, but know my career, know what I've done, you know, like do that work, um, find something that you think someone else didn't find and figure out how to make that interesting. You know what I mean? Like there's always bits of information with whoever you're going to talk to. Um, and then once you find that information, find how that makes it relatable and fun and funny for people to listen to. Um, because again, anyone could just ask a question you want to maybe ask the question in a different way that they're not asked all the time. Um, and, and I think that, I think that being yourself 
is key. I, I once had early on in my career, I was working in Salisbury at Small Market TV on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. And a woman probably in her 60s that worked at the TV station said, I don't know what you're talking about and I don't particularly like sports, but you just seem to be having so much fun that I enjoy watching you. And I was like, well, that's the ultimate compliment because I can get dudes like you to watch sports. You care about sports. Like, of course, you're going to watch at 25 after the hour back when, you know, the only way you could get news was on your six and 11 o'clock news. Um, and, but I was like, if I can get her to pay attention to me, that's a huge win. That's what sways like your popularity or your ratings or whether or not you can get another contract is how many people want to tune in to watch you or listen to you. So I think just being yourself, um, you know, I always used to say in TV, like if you talk with your hands in real life, talk with your hands. There should be inflection in your voice because if you were hanging with your boys and talking about sports, you'd have reaction. You'd be like, dude, Ovi scored his 45th today. It's nuts. Like that's how you would talk. So when you start your podcast, don't say Alex Ovechkin scored his 45th goal today, continuing his assault on Wayne Gretzky. That's not how you would talk. So be yourself, talk the way you would talk, have fun with it. And that usually, and that takes a long time. Like, don't get me wrong. Being comfortable talking and quote unquote acting in front of a camera takes a lot of practice. So you have to do it. And I used to pick one thing that I wanted to work on, you know, all the time They help myself get better. So, you know, it's just like athletes, like game film yourself, watch it a little bit see what you like and don't like and figure out how to, you know, build on what you like and fix what you don't like. That's good advice. Thank you. Sure. So what are some of your favorite Capitals memories outside of 2018? Because obviously that's pretty <laughs> high for, for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, there's a lot to choose from, actually, because, um, like I said, like doing that job was so much fun for me. Um, so, but it's it's little moments too. Like I told this story on my last night on the air. We were literally getting ready to go on my first uh, pregame show back in 2011, 2012, whatever it was, and uh, Alan sitting next to me. I met him once. And so I didn't really have like chemistry with him and they're literally counting down They're like five, four, and he's scribbling something down on a piece of paper. So I'm like, what is he writing? And he slides it over to me and they're like three, two. And I looked down and all it says is, are you a Jew? And I looked at him, I looked at him like with like a look and he goes, I knew it. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they're like, go. And I was just like, but first of all, I was like, oh, I'm gonna like this guy. Like just right off the bat trying to get me uncomfortable and I am Jewish but like he knew it's kind of like what I said like do your research Alan did his research he found something that would be funny and we started the show like basically giggling like our very first show ever together we were already like laughing in the first few minutes and I was like oh this guy is gonna be a beauty to work with so like stuff like that we would just you know stuff like that that would happen like kind of behind the scenes you know we're always not even behind the scenes just stuff like as we led up to the show, sitting and watching the games and Alan teaching you about hockey constantly was always, you know, super fun. Cause like that's a front row seat with a guy who played the game at the highest level for a long time. And he's telling you like, 
there's a way we all watch the game and then there's a way he watches a game and it's totally different. So to like have that front row seat and have him explain why something's working and why it's not working and how he would fix it was awesome stuff. And then by far, as far as on the ice stuff, by far and away, the best part of covering the caps is covering Ovi because that's, I used to say all the time, I was privileged to help tell his story for however many years I did it. Like, this is an all-time great. You don't get this too often. Like, the pre- and post-game show host for the Minnesota Wild ain't getting to talk about one of the all-time great. You know what I mean? Hey, yo, like, that's Kirill Kaprizov slander. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe he'll be that dude one day. Uh, nah, he ain't going to be on Ovi's level. Let's be real. No, like, and He's it's just good. Been, like, but... He's good, but, like, even just saying now, Ovi scored his 45th today. Like, I remember a couple of years ago when people were like, oh, he's going to slow down, and then it'll be 30 goals and 20 goals. And I was like, uh, I guess. I don't I don't see it that way. Like, dude hasn't slowed down yet. And I always used to say, if you doubt Ovi, that's a you problem, not a him problem. So, you know, he, so just to get out there every day and just be like, what milestones is he, you know, breaking now? Like, it was unbelievable to cover one of the greatest of all time. I saw today that he, uh, yeah, this is his 12th 45 goal season most of all time. It's stupid. It's stupid. Like, it's crazy. 12 45 goal seasons. Like, that is so bananas. And now, like, because we used to do, like, the, okay, well, if he scores this many for the next couple of years, then he could legitimately take a run at Gretzky. Like now, you know, barring injury, which has always been the thing I've said, and dude doesn't get injured because he's not really human. So like, he's just, right, knocking wood, like doing all those things. But I mean, it feels inevitable. Like he's gonna score 50 again, you know? Like, so to me, it's, it's um, you know, every time I, I, I pop on to watch a bit of a game now, I'm really popping on because I don't watch like I used to, obviously. I'm really popping on to see, like, has Ovi scored again? Like, that's – I just want to watch Ovi. Like, I just am obsessed with watching this record. I just find it really weird that, like, like once the, the postseason starts, it's like that just kind of vanishes. Like, that, the whole goal, – his goal scoring isn't, like, the superficial part of it all. Like, it's just, like, it's really weird because, like, throughout his whole career, it's like during the season, it's like he scored – that's crazy. He scores like he's getting closer to Gretzky. Then the postseason hits, and then for like two months at a time, like during the uh, the the 2018, he scored 15 times, and like not once we were like, "Oh, he's gonna catch here." It's just like, "Yeah, he scored 15 goals." That was crazy. It's like it's so weird how their stats work in the in the in the NHL. It's so like it's so wonky at times. Like it's weird, but like I yeah, love and, how like it just gets crazy during the regular season. And the funny thing is too, like about that that whole run of the Stanley Cup. It was never about how many goals he scored. It was like, look at Ovi doing all the little things. Look at him blocking a shot. Look at him sacrificing his body. Like, the whole thing was that Ovi didn't have to score. And he did. Like, you know, he probably, you know, like, whatever. Like, him and Kuzi were the two best, clearly, on that run. But, like, Ovi was unbelievable in all the other things he did. The goals were just sort of like, yeah, of course he's scoring. Um, Which, you know, like, and I think that, for a long time we just took it for granted like he just scores 
40 or 50 goals every year. But now as he's passed, you know, Lemieux and Howe and all these greats of all time, Iserman, like all these guys, you're just like, Jesus, <laughs> this is crazy. Like the list is, you know, two or three, you know, the, on every list now. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. And again, like if you covered those Orioles, you got to, you got to cover Cal Ripken. Like you can say that that was part of covering those Orioles teams. This generation, yeah, right. you got to cover over. Yeah. I've said that a couple of times about this season. Like even if this season as a team amounts to nothing, it's definitely like been a good season in the sense that like, it feels like every other night Ovechkin's hitting some other milestone or breaking some other record or passing someone else on some list and all those lists keep shortening as the year is going by. So it's definitely been fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, like when, when, and again, those names that we're mentioning, like these are the greatest players that ever play the game and he is cruising past them. <laughs> like, you know, like Yager feels like it's so far in the rear view mirror. And the, and like the really crazy thing is like Yager took like 20 Simon years to score that many goals. Obi did it in like, 15 like you know like his the goals per game is just like crazy and yeah i'm you know empty net one timer fly by tipping i don't care how he gets them like i always say they don't rate them they just add them up and you know <laughs> it's it's uh yeah this season hasn't clearly been the season caps fans want i don't know if they're really set up to make a deep run in the playoffs you know a great weekend but the goaltending scares the bejesus out of me, but whatever, man. Pump pump Ovi's goal scoring right into my veins. <laughs> you know, like I, I can't get enough of it. I uh, made a so when we had Joe Beninati on our show last year, and we were talking, you know, as we do every week about Ovi's goal scoring because it's such a prominent thing. But when we were talking to Joe Beninati about um what you know it would be like if and when Ovi breaks that record, um, I made a promise to Joe Beninati that I would get his goal call tattooed somewhere on my body when that day comes. <laughs> so I'm still living up to that. I'm I'm excited at the prospect of it, so I have no fear. <laughs> That's amazing. So like, this immediately gets my mind thinking. So like, is it like how much of his call? Like, is it? Start from like score the entire it, thing. It, it depends <laughs> if it's because you know, Jovan and I, I mean, he's said this multiple times, he said it multiple times to us. Like, as the play by play guy, you can only hope that it's a clean goal so you no, can make a clean call and it's just crisp and on the money. And he says, from his perspective, you know, it's not his show, it's the player's show, so he's gonna say his one or two lines and then shut up. Like, not like he, like, those are his words. like I'm going to say my line, I'm going to say my piece, and then I'm going to be quiet and let them have their moment. It's not my moment, it's theirs. So hopefully he doesn't go on too long so I don't have to cover too much <laughs> of my body, but I'm prepared for, for the worst. <laughs> I just, I'm just hoping that it's like a, a long buildup, like a couple of different yeah. passes, then the score, then like there it is, there's the record, he stands alone, the great eight has passed the great you know, the great one. Like, just I just hope it's not a lot of words for Joe B, but just enough that it covers quite a bit of 
your body like that's you know like uh, that's yeah, what I'm, I'm all for it i'm all for it <laughs> yeah I, I, but it's funny because when you first said that my my immediate two thoughts for joe b were a i hope it's not a national game because joe b if he can't call that goal they're gonna make him call every single game when he's like like two or three away. They're gonna make him. They're gonna like every national broadcaster is gonna be like, bring Joe Beninati on. It's not I a question. Hope so. If the national broadcast, then I'll have to like call him on the phone and listen to him call the game personally <laughs> to me. Or yeah, something. yeah. Like the dude deserves to call that goal. And then the second thing is what Joe said was, I hope it's a clean. Like I hope it's a one timer from the office. You know that it still hurts that we didn't get to. It listen to him call the end of the cup run but hopefully he gets this one i know i know that was joe was with us for i think for the for tampa and uh he wasn't in pittsburgh with with ian allen but he was with us in tampa and and vegas and um you know so he did all the reporting pre and post game and you know did all the interviews but i know, I know it, it, it was killing him anyway it's not him it's every Local broadcasters in the same boat, so it's not like it's a personal thing to Joe B. But it, it killed him like it would kill any other team broadcaster that doesn't get to, you know, doesn't get to narrate those moments. Definitely. Yeah. Speaking of of Ovechkin goals, even more. Do you have what is your favorite Ovechkin goal ever? <laughs> What's your personal uh, favorite? So, so yeah, so like the, you know, the one where he tips it off the boards and, and goes in, like, that's a great one. The, the um, Simply Sensational, you know, against the Coyotes, like, that's an, an amazing one. But I, I wasn't around, like, I've seen them enough that I feel like I was around for it, but I wasn't part of those Caps years. So, to me, the two that jump out for me, I'm trying to think off the top of my head now. If there's anything better, but the two for me are the goal against Vegas in the Stanley Cup on that sick saucer pass from Backstrom, like right across one timer. Like, and I think it's probably just because of that amazing TV angle where you just see the puck go through like five sticks right on the OV stick for a one timer. So, like, there's that one, but that goal against Tampa whatever it was like 60 seconds in to game seven when, you know, like there was all like, I was still nervous at that point. I was like, please God, don't blow this in game seven. Like don't get one game away from the Stanley cup and have this all fall apart again. And like Alan and I had done the pregame show and we like literally just got upstairs, sat down, game starts, boom, goal. And you're like, they're winning the cup, (laughs) you know, like, that's like, when you know. Holy shit! I can't believe he just scored that goal a minute into this game, and uh, like you just knew Tampa was done, and like this, it's inevitable. When Ovi scores that goal, yeah. done. This team is winning the cup. So I got, I gotta say, as like a fan of this team, like I don't think I can't find a goal in history that like legitimately just like straight up changed, flipped any script in a franchise history. I think like. You could probably say like Iserman's goal against the Blues way back in the, in the late '90s, like that flipped the script for the Detroit Red Wings, um, something like that. 
there's but like this was a goal where like a team notorious for like you know they go to game sevens they like they get all the, they get all this momentum and then they just drop the ball you know game seven against pittsburgh twice you got game seven against the rangers game seven like basically any game seven they've been in they basically drop the ball in history but like this was like the first time like like 60 seconds in it's the one person you want it to be it's right out open against Tampa, the Tampa that the next season won the record for most wins in a season. He got open, shot it past Andre Vasilevsky, and it was like no doubt. And like Vasilevsky, you could just see in every Tampa Bay's face, it was like, holy shit, this is different. Like Vasilevsky looked like he just like basically saw a ghost. Every single Tampa defender looked like they were confused. And then like even every in Tampa the building, defender, even in the it building, was, that was it was so silent. Loud. It was silent. My, our, our friend Noah, who was in the building for that, like said after that goal, it went silent. Like nobody, yeah. like besides the cat, like it was it was dead quiet at times. Like yeah. It was crazy, and it was like this, it was like it was it was totally crazy, dead silent. And you're a thousand percent right. Like uh, what's his name? Uh, Burkowski scored the two goals, right? So mm-hmm. he goes down in history as as two huge goals in that game, and good for him. But if he scores that first one it's not as poetic, you know, like the story isn't there, but the fact that it was Ovi from like deep too, that wasn't like from his office. Like he was back at, you know, that was a, that was a bomb he hit. And um, yeah, that was it. Like he, he just pumped that in and took all the life out of that building. So like he scored a big goal in the Pittsburgh series too, on a feed from, um, from Backstrom. But again, that was like, people forget about it because of the, koozie goal to eliminate them so like there are so many great ov goals but to me that tampa one for Mm -hmm. for exactly what you're saying man is is just like holy shit this is gonna happen i also want to say one more that you may that some people may not think about a lot but the first goal in game three against vegas Vegas, that's one of my favorites that's that's one of my favorites too because it's like it's it's the same thing it's like you know the whole game it feels like you know mark andre fleury's got vegas they're gonna start trying to steal the series back from us and then all of a sudden there's like 30 people throwing the puck on net every single person carlson wilson kuznetsov Everybody tried to throw the puck on it, and then Ovechkin's able to get it in. Like it's just, it's nice that he has like he has pretty much a single poetic goal goal besides the one eliminated Pittsburgh. Like if I had to pick one thing that I would change about that Pittsburgh goal that Kuznetsov had to eliminate them, it would be Ovechkin. It would have to be him. Like it would have been perfect. Yeah, no, I, well, the, I agree. The first tally was poetic in itself. He fed it to him. He fed it to him, right? And it was and him back on defense. Crosby. He, he, it was him back on defense. You know, like again, that was like one of those things that you're like, wow, Ovi might not have been there earlier in his career and um but but um yeah like he, that that goal against vegas too in game three um that that building was as bananas as i could have ever imagined any place being and that's another one of those like again like game one you're like i still don't think vegas matches up game two the caps win you feel pretty good game three you're right like oh god is are going to do this again but like the whole time you're just like all it needs is that moment just let that moment happen and then you know like they'll just dominate and that's mm-hmm. what happens so like it really felt like they just popped the top and they were like oh vegas is done you know like they the caps finally got that moment and now vegas is done and, and they just steamrolled them the rest of the way and you also mentioned the the one cross-eyed little saucer from backstrom to ovi I feel like that goal just epitomizes their 
their relationship and their chemistry that we've been so lucky to see over the years. It's like you couldn't have like more perfectly given us a goal that shows you like what Backstrom and Ovi are to each other and what they've done for each other throughout their careers. Like, like Michael Jordan has said with Scottie Pippen, there's no Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. You could say the same thing for Ovi and Backstrom. There's no, obviously in both situations, both players are going to have their own respective great careers, but right without them together, they're not going to be the same players that they ended up being, you know, without, without Backstrom, there's no Ovechkin that we see today. A thousand percent. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. And it was, you know, that, that's it. That's what I love about that goal is it's classic Backstrom to classic Ovechkin. Like it was just perfect. And it had to be (laughs) because if it wasn't a perfect pass and a perfect shot, that goal doesn't happen, but it just was. And that's, that's exactly why I like that so much. Again, if that's TJ Oshie that makes the pass, cool, but it wasn't. It was Backstrom. So it goes down as, you know, to me is one of my favorite goals he's ever scored because mm-hmm. it was just so, it was just, you know, chef's kiss. It was exactly perfect. so perfect. So, yeah. All right. So obviously you were the pre and post game host for the Capitals uh, for a long time. What was it like being like getting to that position? Like, how did it get, how did you get there? What was the journey to become that position for the Capitals? I know you mentioned you were part of the Orioles for a little while, but like, what was the journey like being part of the Capitals? So, yeah. So I did local TV for a long time. I started out as a producer at Fox 45 in Baltimore. Then I went to Salisbury and did a couple of years there as the weekend guy. And then the main guy, then I went to Birmingham, Alabama and, covered SEC country for a number of years. Um, and then um, I went to Baltimore and worked at a TV station there. And uh, ironically enough, and this just kind of tells you like this business is always, some people have a meteoric rise and a lot of people just kind of grind and grind and grind. Um, I literally, it was 2011 and I was literally going to get married and my boss in Baltimore I got married in August, so it was like whatever, late July, and she was like, "Go have your wedding, you know, have the best time." But I just want to let you know that we're shutting down the sports department in October, and I was like, "Wait, what? Did you just tell me to have a great time at my wedding, and I'm going to be unemployed in like three months? Like, how did you combine that into one message?" And uh, so I left to go get married in Michigan, where my wife's from thinking like, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of the business. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But I had a friend who worked up in New York, who I went to school with at Maryland, this girl, Tina Servasio. And I reached out to her. She was working at MSG network at the time covering the Knicks. And I was like, Hey, if you know of anyone that I can talk to at MSG, you know, I need, I'm going to need a gig here pretty soon. And I left to go get married. I parked the car at BWI. We get on the, um, on the shuttle to go to the airport and WNBC in New York called me and asked if I wanted to come in and freelance it's number one market in the country. And my, you know, my home, my home. And I was like, are you kidding me? And they're like, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm literally going to get married and I'm going on my honeymoon. And they're like, Oh my God, go have the best time. When you come back, call us, we'll put you in the rotation. So I hung up and I looked at Megan, my soon to be wife. And I was like, I think I'm going to work in New York. And then we literally get married and I, we go to Croatia on our honeymoon. And when I land in Croatia, um, I check my emails and there's an email from a guy at MSG network saying, 
hey, we're going to have an opening with the Islanders pre and post game show if you're interested. And I was like, oh, my God, like that's the team I grew up loving. Like, are you kidding me? So I looked at, you know, Megan, who now is just my wife. And I was like, I think I have a chance to interview for the Islanders job. So I literally got back from Croatia, got an in, uh, got a freelance job at WNBC in New York and got the Islanders gig and did two years. So I was that close to being out. Um, and then I did two years there and then got to Comcast at the time, which became NBC Sports Washington and got the Caps gig from doing the two years of the Islanders. They wanted a, a hockey guy. So um, they brought me in to, to do the Caps. So it was it was a long, slow grind, but, um, you know, a ton of fun along the way. Yo, Croatia for your honeymoon spot? That's pretty nuts. Honestly, that was great. That one week had to be sick for you. That one week had to be awesome. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm about to go get married. Oh, shit. Now I'm about to get an awesome job. (laughs) It was sick. It was nuts. Like, I literally, like, I thought I I had talked to my then brother in law's brother who owned his own company. And I was like, I was going to get into sales and start working for him. And uh, like, that was it. I was like, all right, I had a good run, whatever. It's time to call it quits. I'm starting a new life and getting married. Like, this is what I'll do. And she was an on-air reporter at the TV station I was working at in Baltimore. So I was like, I'll just do sales. We can live wherever. I'll go with her wherever she goes. And then, yeah, like I said, yeah, that week I get married. I get a freelance job at WNBC and then get the Islanders gig. So it was, uh, it was pretty nuts. Yeah, I imagine that's pretty, that's pretty awesome though. That's like a cool ass story. Cause it's like, it's, it's like you said, you know, some people that like are like one second away from getting that break and it just kind of falls through for them. But like, you got, you got to do the Islanders and capitals. That's sick. Yeah. And you know, so like, and I remember like the first time I filled in as a freelancer at WNBC in New York and I did the 11 o'clock news and you know, that's a pretty big deal. Like everyone that I knew growing up watched channel four news and I walked out and like I was standing outside of 30 Rock, right? It's 30 Rock, you know, like a place you just kind of see on TV or, or whatever. And I, I stood there and I was looking up. I was like, I just worked at Rockefeller Center, 30 Rock. And like I get out and I had like texts and Facebook messages and um, voicemails from like people I grew up with. Like, did I just see you on the 11 o'clock news? And, you know, so like, I was like, oh my, so I, I was walking the streets like, oh my God, like I just reached the pinnacle. I worked in New York, the number one market in the country. And then I got lucky enough when I was at uh, NBC Sports Washington, 2018, it was the Olympics year. And so they obviously sent all their hockey people over to the Olympics, but they continued the NHL on NBC game of the week through the playoff, through the Olympics. And I filled in doing the pre and the intermission for the NHL on NBC for three straight weekends. So I'm like with Doc Emmerich working with Doc and and those guys. So I was like, this is crazy. This is a great story too. Um, they, they come to me and, and like, you're treated like, you're treated like you're at network when you're at network. Like they wait on you hand and foot. So like they called me in the morning. Would, would you like us to deliver coffee? I was like, uh, I guess like, is that something that's expected? And they're like, yeah, yeah. So they just dropped the coffee. Like, what do you want for lunch? We're putting in orders. I was like, this is crazy. So they come to me at one point and they're like, hey, after the game, I know you have to go catch a flight. Uh, so does Doc. Do you mind hopping in a in a car with him? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll ride to the airport with Doc Emmerich. That'll, yeah, okay, I'll do that. 
So we we get in the car, it's just me and Doc, and uh, like a woman that works for NBC who's amazing. She was such a cool, she was the one like calling me all the time and saying like, what do you need? What can we get you? And uh, we're driving and, he, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm like, so Doc, tell me about like how you, you got started in, in with your career. He's telling me these amazing stories and doing radio and all this stuff. And it's Doc Amrick. He's talking like Doc, but he's sitting right next to me right there in the car. And I was like, this is, I was literally like, I was just on national television. And this is by far the coolest moment of my whole day. Like, this is amazing. So he's telling me the story how he uh, used to listen to Vin Scully and how much he loved Vin Scully, you know, legendary Dodgers broadcaster. So he's like, my brother you know, is the biggest Vin Scully fan. It's his hero. And uh, he goes, you know, one year I'm supposed to introduce Vin at a award show and I had never met him in my life. Um, but Vin doesn't travel to the East Coast anymore. So he wasn't coming to receive the award, um, but he called me and in my house where I, where I was staying in Florida, my cell phone only works in one room. So my cell rings, I don't know the number, but I have to go to this other room. Meanwhile, my brother is watching TV and I said, hello? And he goes, Doc? Yes? Vin Scully here. And now Doc is doing a dead-on Vin Scully impersonation in the car. I'm like, this is a TV nerd's coolest moment ever. Like, Doc Emmerich doing a, like, if I had to shut my eyes, I would have thought Vin Scully was in the car. And he's like, meanwhile, I can't go get my brother, because if I leave the room, my phone's going to lose service. So I was like, this is the greatest 30 minute ride to an airport anyone could have ever had. So, you know, that was definitely on the, on the, uh, the bucket list. I never thought I would check that box, but riding in a car with Doc Emmerich was, I mean, just right at the top of coolest moments in my career. I got to think he's the greatest sports announcer that I, I mean, maybe, maybe since hockey's not as big, not as many people would have him there, but like in terms of like giving consistently just, iconic casting i feel like he's as, he's as good as it gets when his voice raises like you like my heart would start to pound you know like like oh god it's like, like oh yeah. score that, that's i love that right. yeah like so there should be a rush and you know you just your heart you like sit up in your chair just from the sound of his voice it was yeah he's absolutely incredible episode title proposal car rides with doc <laughs> No, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. the that's one. Cool. <laughs> Not what's up, Doc? <laughs> nah, it's, it's a little too on the nose. All right, well, you're up. All right. Car, so wait, I... car, car rides with Doc is like comedians in cars getting coffee with Seinfeld. Like, <laughs> I would I would definitely watch that. Uh, I would definitely stream those shows. You just did car rides with Doc. <laughs> All right. So I tried to ask this earlier because I, like, blanked. But um, Oveshkin's got 45 and 72. He has the most 45 goal seasons of all time, by the way, um, and most you know like relevant 50 goal seasons since Gretzky was shooting on empty nets his whole career. But <laughs> how many do you think he gets this year? And I'm going to add on to this question, even though it's not in the script. He has 120 to go to catch the great one. How many seasons does he need? I think this has been going on for like seven years now, right? Like we've been trying to back time. Oh, so if he does this and then he, he does, does this, this, even if he drops off to 30, he could still do it. So that's what he is now. He's just 120 away. It's ridiculous, right? It's like, 
I feel like this season is when I've started to realize like this is becoming more of a win because 120 goals, you know, for an average NHLer is a great career. But for Ovechkin, you know, that's, I mean, he's always just going to be able to sit in the left circle and slam the puck, and that's going to get him a decent number of goals every year. And it's it's start it's starting to feel like an if, you know, or, or win, sorry. Or what? Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's Did you just say if? Did you just say if? Do you want to get kicked off the podcast? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not. It's, Joey, I need to take you down to earth with the with the uh, all the threats to kick people off the podcast. <laughs> Is that your go-to that? move? Okay, I did it oh once today. God. I did it once today. You literally tweeted it at me earlier. He only says it to Will, though. He, he never threatened like me. me or Jake like, yeah. like he's our ruler now. <laughs> you guys I'm just saying, also, the when. I mean, if you'd have told me two or three years ago that he would have 50 this year, I'd have been like, wow, that's that's a lot. Like, I don't know if he'll get 50. And now, you know, and now I feel like. So where they have how many games they have left? Eight or ten I games mean, left? Ten, le- ten left. Um, and he's at forty-five. Like he's going to get fifty this year, right? I mean, I feel like he's going to get fifty. So, so throw another five. Just let's just say he scores. He gets fifty on the nose. So now he's hundred and fifteen goals away. I mean, it feels like you know. Two and a half, three seasons. I mean, like, it's crazy, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, 40, 80, if he does 40, 40 back to back, which is, which is being conservative. If he does 40, 40 back to back. I, I mean, like how that's being conservative with Ovechkin. Like, oh, he'll probably get 50. <laughs> right? Like, I, I mean, do you get a sense that next year he's going to be at 33 again? Like, no. Mm. He's going to score 40 again next year. Plus, I think with all the empty netters and stuff, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's tough because I'm in your boat where it's like you're sort of on the fence. Like you don't want to keep predicting the future because we've gotten so lucky that it's just like, oh, well, he's going to have to do this. And it's like, oh, he did that easily. He's going to go for 50 every single year. It's like you're trying to kind of be like, is this enough for this season? Like somebody said this year, how many did he need this year to break the record in five years? Was it 33 or something? Was I it think 33? it was at the start of this year. He needed like 33 goals over the next five years to. Um, yeah, let me let me go back to my, my biggest tweet to date. He only right. he he literally already guys that. I posted, I posted this picture of the guy you know explaining something to the girl at the baseball game, and I said, okay, so basically Ovechkin only needs 165 more goals to beat Gretzky's record. He needs to average 33 per season for the next five years to pass him. But Gretzky was playing against standing goalies and shitty defenses, so he's pretty much <laughs> out of the right? So, yeah, I mean. Into this year, he needed 33 per year 45. for five years. So He's already got 12 like, more for next year. I'm excited to see to see what that number is so I can recreate that tweet. at the So he can literally year. have an off year next year, which, you know, that, I don't have to knock on wood. It's not going to happen. But still, it's like he's – like he would still have – like he's gonna he's gonna beat Gordy Howe next year. He's gonna beat a person oh, yeah. who played hockey in five decades. This man was right. playing hockey during like I'm pretty sure like like when the Soviet Union was technically what they were called. Like it's insane. And now it's gonna be catching up to like Gretzky. Like there's gonna be such a lull. That was like 
you know, like 30 years ago, Joey. That's going to be so how, wait, but how many goals? How many goals away from Gordy Howe is he now? Like, I think I'm, 24. Yeah, so he 20, gets that. He gets that by what? Beginning of next season. February, he's probably gonna get next year. You know, like he's gonna, he's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be Gretzky and him by middle of next season. Yeah, and like and, it's gonna be so hard because you're just gonna be watching for like that long period of time. It's like that's when you're that like we think this is like a crawl. That's gonna be the most immortally challenging from Gordy crawl. to Gretzky. It's gonna be so agonizing. Yeah, it's gonna it, be it's a long ways. I mean, it's a lot. Of it's not gonna be one season. It's gonna be like a couple at least, and it's like right. it's just gonna be like, dude. At this point, can the goalies just let him score? This is getting annoying. Like, <laughs> but yeah. How many? But, think, I, mean, I think I think we'll ask this before. How many think he's going to score this season? I think I don't know if you said that. I'm sorry. I told you. I think that. I, I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to say fifty. I'm going to say he gets the fifty. I'm, and I'm going to say it's going to come down to like the last game or so. On the we play the Rangers as the last game. They'll play the Rangers, and I'm like, that would be so Rangers. great. Well, that's the thing is we're going to have to play the Rangers, and that means we may still have to be fighting for position, and they might have to play as well. So we'll have to probably play Shesterkin in that game, and that's not going to be fun because Shesterkin doesn't exactly suck anymore. So. um but I looked at the last few games. It's Islanders, Islanders, Rangers down the season. We play the Coyotes, Canadians. We play that. I mean, you know, they're that. I need so. three against both of those teams. Exactly. We play. Let's just get it all in one season, you know. Let's just play it out. You know, we got 120 goals left. Let's play it out. Let's get 50 against Arizona. Let's get 20 against Montreal. He does really well against Toronto. We play them twice, so he'll probably be pretty good. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he gets 50 easy. I don't think I don't think there's a doubt. If he doesn't hit 50, that'll be a shock. That like yeah. I'll be genuinely shocked. Yeah, and and uh, I, I'm with you. Like, not only is it going to be agonizing that the long, slow climb from Gordy to Gretzky, but it's going to be exhilarating. Like every goal is going to be like, oh my god! Now he's only this many way. Now he's only this many way. Like that as he starts to approach. And the the national attention that that's going to bring to every single Caps game. I mean, at some point when he gets super close, you know, ESPN is going to be breaking in live to every one of his games. Like, it's going to be bananas when he gets close to that record. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be so much fun. And it, and it, I don't often miss what I used to do very much because, you know, I'm a couple of years removed from it now and. As as much fun as it was, like there is a a point of going like you know what I don't have to work until midnight tonight, and I don't have to work on pretty much every Saturday through a hockey season, and my nights and holidays and weekends are all taken up by someone else's schedule. It's not up to me; it's up to their schedule. But when I think about Ovi making this run, that makes me wish I was still doing what I did, like to be able to try and tell that story and and tell it interesting, like all the time would be that's that's kind of why you get into the business type of stuff you know to be like I, like i'm sure joe b is thinking about that too like you get in like simply sensational has withstood the test of time like you have these moments that will be you know captured and stay forever and to be part of that would be amazing but um but but uh yeah you know i i hope that Joby Locker and Allen and whoever's doing the shows at that time, whether it's Alexa or whoever, like I hope I hope they enjoy it as much as I did like through the cup run. 
Simply sensational. That that goal call is our our little intro audio for all of our podcast episodes. So that's definitely an iconic one. Yeah. But I know you haven't paid as much attention to the NHL this year as you know the past. But who do you think is winning the Stanley Cup this year? If you had to pick, um, yeah, I mean it is tough because I really, I'll be honest with you, I haven't I haven't paid that close of attention. Um, you know, and part of it is I didn't have to. Part of it is it hurt. You know, it still hurts a little bit um, to not be part of it. So um, I really, honestly, couldn't give you a a good guess. You guys tell me who's who's going to win it. Capitals, year. obviously. Come obviously. on. Obviously, <laughs> other than the Caps, who's going to win? Oh, it's year? the Panthers and Avalanche. It's going to be it's one either the Panthers or the Avalanche. I Avalanche, and I, I kind of want the Avalanche to win. Like I, I like that. I love. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, like, love watching him play. I don't – I still can't buy the Panthers. I know that the Panthers are having a great year. I, I just don't know that I could buy it yet. I, I feel I like they have to have, like, a collapsing heart, you know, wrenching loss somewhere before they just go and win it. Sounds like a job for the Capitals. The Panthers, <laughs> do, have the highest, the Panthers do have the best goal differential in the league with a plus 88. <laughs> the the Avs are a plus 77. Then I think third is Calgary with a 75. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely a few teams that are in the mix, like your Carolina and your Toronto. Now the Rangers, because, you know, the one big criticism, I mean, we were all saying before that the Rangers were getting carried by an elite goaltender who is the best in the league right now, without a doubt, Shesterkin. But since the trade deadline, I saw they have the best power play in the league and their 5v5 play, which is what they were the worst at, has gotten significantly better. So they're definitely in the mix now, but right now probably the big two are or Colorado and Florida. I think I think a Canadian team could could win the cup this year. I think between Calgary and Toronto, I think you have a genuine chance of a Canadian team winning the cup. I don't think Edmonton is going to happen. But sorry, no. I mean Toronto is consistent goaltending away from being as good as as Florida or or Colorado, and that is. their issue with, um, with Toronto, I'm gonna. I think they're definitely probably the one of the, the best in the Atlantic. I think they're maybe second to Florida. I just I can't trust them in the playoffs. I really can't. It's like it's the same thing as like the Cowboys. They literally no, were down like the six of their starting players in that bubble. They lost to the Dallas Stars. So did like half the goddamn West in that. Yeah, playoff they should like, not have <laughs> lost to that Dallas Stars team. Colorado well, I mean, has a history of choking too. We just never hear about it. I don't think yeah, it's fair to like. They choked last year. There, there was no reason that they shouldn't. Have yeah, won. exactly. Well, they, I think this is the past two seasons. I think this is the year they have the expectations. Yeah, I can say the same thing. Two about years Toronto. ago, they were the wild card team. They beat the Calgary Flames, who had like 115 points and were like one of the best in the, the best team in the West. And they almost beat the San Jose Sharks if it wasn't for that shoddy offsides call. They got that messed up by officiating that game. And then the bubble team, that was a that was the bubble playoffs. Like there was no proper seating. Everybody was at the same level at that point. The fucking Canadians beat the Penguins in, in four games. I mean that like you can't take that bubble seriously at this point. And then last I, I don't year, know. I think if, if we're gonna criticize Toronto for choking in the first round, you have to you have to because Toronto's done it for fifty years. Will they, they like? I'm sorry, but like, they've they, it. Colorado's won two cups. This year, but it, it's different players. Like you don't look at if Colorado if Colorado gets knocked out early this year, they'll. They'll wear that. Oh, yeah. I think they, they, should, should, they like should wear it now until it. they break it, in my opinion. No, this yeah. is the year they're going to start wearing it. This is Toronto's the, the center of the hockey universe, and every goddamn offseason, you hear how this is the year that, you know, Toronto's going to do it. And, you know, 
no. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah Colorado though, they are they are a second round exit away from being the Caps. The, yeah, I think I, I, I think yeah. I think the thing with Colorado is is they're likable. Like they're not like they're a fun team to watch, kind of like those early Caps teams. And like at some point, maybe this is the year it turns from like really fun to watch. Maybe they're just a great regular season team to like to their disappointment. They're just not built to win in the playoffs. So like that that could be they'll they'll definitely feel that pressure this year. Yeah. Oh, I, don't know. I think they should. I think, I think if I were to think about like where they're at, uh, I think they're in the 2010 Capitals version. Like this is like the best team they've had in a long time. This like the 2010 Capitals broke records for stuff. Like Backstrom, Ovechkin, both at 100 points. Like they were insane. Like, th- like it's like it's got an eerie suspicion. Like they're gonna face like one of those wild card teams, like Vegas. Or like Dallas, that's gonna have like a weird like you know there there's no way they'll lose to them, and then all of a sudden they lose in seven, and it's like well, I guess they're never gonna win, and then like it'll just I think that's where they're at, but I think they have a chance to not fall in the same loop as the Capitals though. I think they'll do it this year. Yeah, if, they, if they don't make the Stanley Cup final this season, is an epic failure because the West is weak. No, Calgary's pretty good. Yeah, that's it. Though. No, it's not Minnesota. If they can't beat Minnesota, their season is a failure. I agree. That's fair. All right. So to, to get to our last end of the show, last couple of things, let's go over the last few games. So on Sunday, we lost to the Wild at home in those damned blue jerseys that we always find a way to lose in, 5-1. to one. Then – on Wednesday, we beat the Lightning four to three. Then yesterday, we beat the Penguins six to three, and then today we beat the Bruins four to two. Love to see it. Definitely love seeing three straight wins against you know three high caliber teams. So that's definitely awesome. Um, yeah, coming Paul up, Bissonnette, are we still not a contender or something? Because we just beat three of your contenders like it was nothing. Paul Bissonnette is. I just don't like him. I still don't like oh, him. He talked yeah. a lot of shit about us. <laughs> Anyways, so coming up this week, we play the Flyers on Tuesday. Then we play those Maple Leafs that we've been discussing on Thursday. And then the Canadians on Saturday. Then we play the Avalanche next Monday. So got a few tough games, got a few not as tough games. But knowing with this team, no game is an easy game. Every game is going to go down to the last five minutes because that's how we like playing hockey here. But let's do our one-and-one. So, Rob, one thing that we do every week on our show is – so we call it one-and-one. Basically, we each pick one player that impressed us over the last, you know, week since the last episode and one player who has done the opposite and not impressed us. So, I know you didn't watch the games this weekend as closely as I'm assuming we did. So, if if anybody stood out to you, either positively or negatively – I guess you can say that, but if not, then it's all good. No, I'd, I mean, I'd say John Carlson. Yeah, that was yeah. that was, yeah. that was the layup. That was definitely, <laughs> definitely going to be a hot pick this week. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's what's cool about that is, like, um, first off, I like Bissonette, and I don't even mind him being hard on the Caps and saying they're, like, an easy out, like, because he'll wear it. If they, if they, if the Caps win the first-round series, like, he'll go on TV and – own up to it. I I find him to be wildly entertaining in a in a 
buttoned up sport. You know, even the broadcasters are buttoned up. I find him to be incredibly entertaining. I think his podcast is outstanding. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, he said it the other day when Carlson had that huge game, and he was like, you know, we mentioned all these different defensemen every, you know, all year, but Carlson's still doing his thing. And, like, Carlson, I almost feel like, has to have tremendous numbers or he just doesn't get the recognition that, that he probably deserves. And I know there's flaws in his game, but, you know, I, I like seeing Carlson get some run on a national game where, you know, you're like, all right, yeah, let's talk about John Carlson a little bit. Because I, I, I like John Carlson's game. So I, I was happy to see that. I think that was the single best game played by a capital all year. He was pretty good, man. <laughs> he was pretty good. Yeah, I'll go. Um, so I'm going to go with Martin Faravari as my one good one. Yes. feels so good to do that to someone else. And um, I just think he's been playing really well. Like the one these last couple of games. But the player I feel like I hasn't been playing well is Oshi. I feel like in these like games against important teams, against people we might face in the playoffs, he has like one point in the last three games, I think. And I know he's been kind of dealing with injury for this season, but it just I feel like he just doesn't look the same as like we kind of know him to be. But that's all I have to say. Yeah, you're so right. for my for my pleasant player this weekend. I'm going to say Tom Wilson. Um, he had a goal. What was it? Sorry. He had a goal today, and he had a goal and an assist in our win against Pittsburgh the other day. And obviously we know the forte of his game isn't scoring. It's being a big body and a presence around the ice to open up space for other people. Obviously, you know, together with being an enforcer that we know and love. But – it's always nice seeing him score. I'm mad at Peter Laviolette. Peter Laviolette is my bad player this week. Um, Marcus Johansson on the top line and Garnet Hathaway on the top line are not good. It's as simple as that. It doesn't work. Neither of those work. Our good friend Stack Guy Blake that we've had on twice this year posted something today. It was the last 25 games. So this stat is from the last 25 games this year. And when Hathaway and Ovechkin are on the same line, their expected goals for percent is 26.35. Garnet Hathaway's without Ovechkin, his expected goals for percentage is 53%. And Ovechkin's without Hathaway, his expected goals for percent is 42. So both of them respectively are significantly better when playing apart from the other. Both great players, both important parts to this team in their respective roles, but they don't work together. So, Laviolette, please stop doing that. I know I'm not a genius. I know I'm not an NHL coach, but the numbers don't lie, and that's it. All right, I'm going to go, but first, it looks like we have a special guest. Rob, would you like to introduce our special guest? Yes. <laughs> My daughter, Jordan, who was like just loitering over here going, can I please get on? Oh, it's awesome. So, yeah. So. Has she been I, following the games? Does she have any players she wants to shout out? Who's your who's the best player? Who's your favorite cap? player? Who's your favorite player? Who's your favorite player on the cap? Who, come on, you know who your favorite player is. 
Ovi. She said Ovi. So, <laughs> never a wrong answer. Perfect. Well, I, I will say that a couple of years ago, I got to bring my girls to a game, and they were like right by the dressing room door when all the players came walking in. So that guys were giving them high fives, and Ovi walked up and gave each uh, twin daughters and gave each of them a little fist bump. And I have a great picture of Ovi like leaning down and giving my girls a fist bump. So, see how other people live my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um. I got my player, my favorite player. I'm gonna pick Connor McMichael. Um, it's it's Love it's it. getting it's getting really good now. Like every single time I see him on the ice, he's becoming a very noticeable presence. He's hustling for pucks. He's like driving play. He's really pushing the the present. Like like he's like what five? He's not that big, but he's like really pushing his presence onto each team. He's like really trying to like be uh, influence onto the game, which truthfully showcases how much he's matured this season. Because there was like a point like in like February where he was kind of struggling. He wasn't getting time. Laviolette was kind of throwing him off the lineup. And then he gets back in the lineup the other day and he just, he, he, he really just showcased like it, it, the stats aren't going to show up this year. I hope people realize that because he's playing third, fourth line minutes, but like next year when he gets probably a third, second line, a chance at times, like he's going to be a, an impactful scorer for this team. And I'm very excited for the future. Um, I'm not going to be happy about the goaltending. Um, I don't know who needs to be taught this, but I think Samsonov or who was it yesterday against the Penguins? It was Samsonov. Um, how do you get beat on one side of the post by not hugging it, and then you go to the other post and do the exact same thing? Like I get he played really well after that, but like you can't do that. And then VTech today was like Eric Kala, you know, noted sniper Eric Kala decided to take a absolute rock star shot from the left side, and it somehow got past him. Like, I don't know if I can blame him because it did at the post, but, like, you got to be careful with those shots. Like, I get we're dealing with the fact that both of them are high-risk, high-reward at times because, literally, it's like Vitek Vanacek is, like, he's consistent, he's good, but there's always going to be that one point in the game where you're like, okay, what is he doing? And then Samsonov is like, he could be insane. He could be, like, Vasilevsky-level good at times. And then, like, he does stuff against Pittsburgh where, like, Brian Boyle and Jeff Carter score goals on him in back-to-back under a minute. Like, it's I just I really, really hope they know that this this postseason could be a genuine opportunity for one of them to be like, look, you don't know who the number one is heading into next year. I'm going to be him. I'm going to step up. I'm going to make those saves. I'm going to go crazy. We're going to win a cup on my back. And I hope that this is like this week has been a wake up call. I hope both of them being the backstops of embarrassing blowouts at home against the Hurricanes and Wild showcase that I hope that those goals Samsonov allowed has woken him up and realized he needs to be more consistent and needs to be, keep the fundamentals in his eyes. I hope whatever VTech Vanacek was thinking on that hollow shot, he doesn't think about it again. It's just, I really just want this to be the chance for them to be good goaltenders because they can both be really good goaltenders, but they just were not good this week. And the fact that we won all three of those games is like, is I mean, the, honestly against Tampa, he played really, they played pretty well, but like against, Pittsburgh and Boston, they almost cost us those games. And I think that that should be, oh, that shouldn't be overstated, but it needs to be talked about a little bit to where we need to figure out which one of them is going to be leading us in the playoffs. And they haven't diversified themselves from one another at this point. So 10 games left, someone's got to do something. So Will, take us down here with your favorite and least favorite. This is a tough one. Uh, you guys took a lot of the players that I thought were, were good. I'm trying to think of who I could say other than Ovechkin. So I guess I'll start. I, I know who I don't like. I, I know Lars Eller scored a goal today, but it was literally a deflection by Eric Halla. So, like, 
I don't know if that really counts. That was the funniest goal. That was really funny. so funny. Eric Hall is just like, man. <laughs> That's unfortunate. It was unlucky for sure. But I don't know. I think that Eller's been pretty poor for like not just these this weekend, but like generally speaking, he has been bad. He did get it right, though. Yeah, but it was luck. It's like a Phil Kessel type player. He's like, oh, he got a goal. Oh, wait, he got scored on three times. Shit. Yeah, my problem with him is that, like, when you've got Conor McMichael playing as well as he's been playing, I think you can't justify him being the 3C while McMichael's there. So uh, mm -hmm. that's that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Who impressed me? I mean, Orlov scored a few pretty important goals, so I think I'll go with him. It's a good pick. I like Orlov. Noted fun guy, Dimitri Orlov. His, his goal really... against... You go, you, you go, first. You go. No, you go, you go. He's been, he's really bad. Uh, oh, no, no, wait, no, he's not bad analytically. Sorry. Someone, someone, someone on the caps was really bad analytically that like really surprised me. It was Backstrom. Backstrom's like terrible analytically. That's because I think this year it's kind of a mold because he had the hip surge. I know next year he'll be okay. He'll be pretty good next year. That's fair. Here, I'll post it on our little server. But, but like, uh, my program um, is yeah, thing that I made. This is a that Ovechkin hit, what was it, 1,400 points, career points? Mm -hmm. A couple games ago, so shout out to that. It's another milestone. He's just passing. Did you see the? Did you see the koozie mic'd up? Yeah, he went I did. To the ref and oh. was like, "What did you give me the puck for?" He's like, fourteen hundred points roving." He's like, "Oh, okay." Like, <laughs> he's, he's like, like "It's another milestone, bro." <laughs> he's like, why did you give me the puck? And then why did he, you give me puck? His eyes lit up because he realized that he would get to be in Ovi's little post game accolade picture because he was involved in the goal. <laughs> He wants but, to win all of them. It's awesome. He's just like dying to be a part of it. <laughs> is there anything else you guys had or are we good? I think we're all good. I think we're chilling. Rob, did you have any questions for us before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think, I think we're good. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to, do, I have one more thing. I have a, I have a story. I haven't been able to talk about Alan May because we haven't talked to Alan May. But there is a time I went to a Capitals game once. It was against the Vancouver Canucks. It was February 3rd, 2019. Before that game, I think you and him walked by me. I don't know if you remember this. You don't have to. But you and him walked by me. He turned around and looked at me. It was, they definitely walked by me because Alan May turned around and looked at me. I had a Vrana jersey on that I used to hang behind me until he got traded. That still hurts. But still, he pointed at my jersey and said, oh, he better score today. And Rana scored a goal in that game. And I was like, damn, that's one of the best moments of my life in a Capitals game. It was awesome. That's very funny. That's very that funny. Awesome. And not surprising at all that Alan would, like, point that out during the game. <laughs> or, or, or seeing that Vrana jersey, like, yeah, no, that that's – Definitely sounds like something that that Alan would have done, and um, that's very cool that Brana came through for you and scored. Yeah, that goal. it was awesome. It was like really cool because I think like he was on like a goalish drought and then he scored. And when he scored, like everybody was going crazy, and I was like, "Man, dude, I hope Al Mays watched this because awesome." <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right, EA, take us out. Well, Rob, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for the advice that you gave us earlier. Now I'm going to be thinking about that all the time and hoping I don't disappoint you. But thank you for coming on the show. We're very happy that you could make it. And thank you, of course, to everyone who's listening. We appreciate all of you always. But go Caps, and everybody have a good night. Goodbye. Good night. Good night.